let's get down to business. Thanks for coming out tonight. I wrote me a manual, a step-by-step booklet for you to get. Oh, I make money moves. You can't see me, my time is now. What up, what up, what up, guys? Welcome to the Fitness Times Business Podcast. And my name is Joseph Mensell. I am your host. And I have an absolute treat for you guys in this episode of the Fitness Times Business Podcast. I'm sitting across from one of my, I'm going to say favorite people, I'm going to say best friends in the fitness industry. I hope you would have, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, how, how do I butter him up a little bit? <laughs> Jake Nicolopoulos in the house. What's Thanks. happening, Jake? Man, good to be here. Good to be back. It's good to have you, man. It's awesome to be back in Adelaide and what a couple of days it's been. It's hot as hell here mm. and it's beautiful. First time seeing the HQ and everything here. Yeah. Really, really impressed. Blown away. We have uh, so much to get through uh, in this episode of the Fitness Times Business Podcast, man. Yeah. So I just want to I want to dive straight in, but yeah. I need to give a little bit of background mm-hmm. for the listeners and the viewers uh, who may have heard of you. You know, they probably know uh, that you're a pro bodybuilder. Yep. Um, if they don't, well, now they do. Uh, but just a, you know, <laughs> just a, a little, you know, just some vital facts on uh, mm-hmm. on Jake Nicolopoulos. So. Two times pro bodybuilder, yep. and when I say two times, that means you are you have a pro status yep. in two different federations, federations exactly. Right? Yep. And we'll get into kind of how that all played out in a second. But two times pro bodybuilder, mm-hmm. current uh, Arnold Classic Australia champ. super heavyweight yep. and overall champ, mm-hmm. current IFBB pro bodybuilder, yes. Uh, current fiance and soon to be dad. Yeah, yes, <laughs> that's my most yeah. important title. I better put yeah, that. There. Yeah, yeah. I better let's, say let's that. Throw that in there. Uh, manager in the family metal business, fab- yeah, fabrication, metal fabrication. Yep. business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, a lot of responsibility on your shoulders there. <laughs> yep. Not just being a manager, but no, being no, no, a, not being just a family business. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. You got to put up. You know exactly what that's like. Oh yeah. <laughs> Massive Joe's and TMJ apparel athlete. Mm-hmm. Once again, once again, we, yep. we had a little hiatus in there, but yep. But you're back in his bitch. Back in, uh, and so many other things that mm-hmm. are gonna uh, we're gonna uncover in this podcast. But yep. I, you know, the 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 goal here is to try and add as much value as we possibly can to the listeners and to the viewers, yep. and and you know, really unpack. Uh, somebody who has reached such elite levels in the sport of bodybuilding yep. as yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's where I want to start. So I want to start with your uh, career thus far mm-hmm. in bodybuilding, because there, you know, you're, you're quite unique in the fact that, I mean, you've been bodybuilding for a long fucking time, man. Yeah. A well, long time. Training since like 13, training yeah. since 13, but actual yeah. bodybuilding career. Yeah. Um, you want to hear more bodybuilding career or you want to hear about the, like training? Well, I'm going to, I, w- I want to give just a little bit of uh, perspective for the yep. listeners and the viewers. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mentioned that you're two times uh, pro bodybuilder. So yep. you started, you know, if we go back to- Started with what would have been WFF would have been the first uh, yeah. federation that I competed in. As, which a t- was, as a teenager. As a teenager, yeah. yeah. So it would have been uh, World Fitness Federation. Yeah. So which is kind of the, from what I knew back then, yeah. there was the kind of stepping stones where, where you got to. Mm. And back when I started competing, NABA uh, was 
still pretty much the pinnacle. It was a it was regarded almost as high as the IFBB then because I know the history of um, yes. NABBA back in the day. Yeah, like Arnold Schwarzenegger won won NABBA titles. Well, a they lot- created you know a lot. Of, not a lot of people know this, but the IFBB was created yes for all the NABBA Mister Universes hundred percent to compete against each other. Exactly right. That's yeah. that was the International Federation exactly. of Bodybuilding. All the Mister Universe winners then had yeah. somewhere to win a, a title again. All of them against each other. Correct. And then that was when the you know. Mr. Olympia IFBB yeah. was was born. And you obviously, you know, you're almost a little bit of a scholar of the sport and having, you know, so much respect for the history of the sport yep. that you kind of followed that path. So you, you started WFF yep. as a teenager, mm-hmm. won a Teenage Mr. Australia title. Yep. Then crossed over from WFF to NABBA. To NABBA. Yes. Yep. And, and worked your way up the NABBA then, ranks. Yeah, well, that's the thing. There was the, the WFF, obviously, and that yeah. led to the, you could win a WFF Mr. World, Mr. Universe. Yes. And then that went to NABBA after that. And then you could win a NABBA World Championship or, or NABBA Mr. Universe. Now, yes. the pinnacle of NABBA was mm. the NABBA Mr. Universe. Mm-hmm. There wasn't always a pro division for, for NABBA. It was only kind of later on. There used to be back in the day, then they stopped it, and then it came back again. Okay. So you've gone NABBA, worked your way up, mm-hmm. ended up getting your pro card in NABBA. Yeah, in- I won a world championship in 2013 in Italy. Yep. So that gave me the NABBA pro card. Yep. And then um, that's when uh, I think I spent two years competing as a pro with NABBA. So the following, the first year after I got my pro card with NABBA, yep. I came uh, fifth in England. Yep. It was always in England. That one never moved. It was like a prestigious place yeah. where they've always had the the um, the professional Mr. Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the following year after that, I came second. Mm-hmm. And then that was when I ended up moving on after after that. Moving into the <clears throat> Moving into the IFUB. Into the IFUB. Yeah, because like yeah. my goals from like way back was to, to work my way up. As you said, the people that I used to surround myself with with. Mm. It was like the history of Australian bodybuilding and and even just the, the, the where they from the years that they came from. It was all about the Mister Universe title. Mm. If you can win the Mister Universe title, then you're good enough to be able to do you know IFBB. IFBB. So yeah. for me, it was always kind of just testing the waters, and I wanted to keep on progressing my way up through the the WFF, obviously, then the NABBA, mm. and it was just natural progression to letting myself know, okay, if I'm good enough to win WFF, can I do NABBA? I was good enough to win NABBA, can I do a NABBA Universe? Uh, a pro, uh, the, the pro nabber. Yeah. Then I did that. And then, um, I was, even though I didn't win the, the professional nabby universe, mm-hmm. It was still enough for me to say it's time to to move on. Yeah. I think if I was to keep, if I was to backtrack mm-hmm. and then try to win it again, mm-hmm. I don't think it would have served me any benefit besides the point of me being able to brag that I won, you know, a, a Mister Universe title. But in my mind, that kind of didn't mean anything to me because I knew I was good enough to make the switch to IFBB. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to waste any time. So that's why I thought the time was right, even though that I came second, mm-hmm. um, and I did tell everybody that I wouldn't move until I did win the Nabi Universe. But in my mind, it was done. It was you know, time to level it, up. It was time to it was time to level up, hundred yeah. percent. And especially too, at that time was when Tony Doherty really. Uh, I think I went to um, one of his uh, posing workshops or something like mm-hmm. that for the IFBB, mm-hmm. and just listening to what he was doing with the IFBB Pro League, um, the opportunities for everybody. Then, of course, because there was no Arnold Classic when I was doing the NABBA shows, mm. so for me competing overseas every year, which I did, I competed overseas almost every year um, from 2010 till 2016. Mm. You know, so every year I competed three times, uh, which ultimately led to a World Championship or a Mr. Universe title. Yeah. Um, 
So getting to getting to the IFBB, when I heard Tony saying that you know the Arnold Classic was there, which because it never used to be that, so the incentive to compete um, in Australia for IFBB really wasn't that high for me. Mm. I think it was more at that point in time, it was more at uh, NABBA world, NABBA universe, mm-hmm. you know, because there wasn't really anyone traveling to compete at Arnold. Cla- well, there wasn't really, I don't think there was any of this Arnold classic pro league and stuff um, back then. So once I heard Tony give this speech and, and mm-hmm. motivated everybody and I heard just, it was more the enthusiasm that he had for the direction of bodybuilding. Yep. And I was like, holy shit, like this is where I want to go now. Mm. And unfortunately for NABBA, it was definitely on the decline at that stage yep. where the whole uh, prestigious um, vibe behind the NABBA universe and all that, <clears throat> unless you're in Europe, but even then on the world scale, it was slowly declining. Yep. And the IFBB was the way to go. If you want to be pro, if you want to be uh, up against the best of the best, mm. then the pro league was the way to go. Uh, and what Tony, I just loved the way that Tony was saying what he wanted to do with it. So it was a no brainer for me. With your experience in, you know, WFF and NABBA and traveling and competing year after year and, you know, just this this wealth of bodybuilding experience. I think that, you know, it, it was quite unique when you did earn your IFBB Pro card, which yep. is not that long ago. It was March this year. Yeah, March this right? year. Is yep. Arnold, yeah. Arnold Classic Australia yep. so 2019. So I made the switch and the yep. following year. Yep. Yeah. You're one of the few bodybuilders uh, that that I have um, had the pleasure of knowing mm-hmm. that when you kind of turned pro, yep. it was like, it was almost like a formality. Yep. You know, it's like Jake's, you know. The time Jake, was right. But, but but it's like you had built up. Uh, well, did so the stepping much. stones. Yeah. You did the stepping stones. Did the stepping exactly. stones. Exactly. And so when you got your pro card, it's like, yeah, of course, Jake, you know. Yeah. Like it, it was, it's yep. literally just like a, another feather in exactly. your cap. Exactly. But you're at that level where you are yep. legitimately pro ready. Well, as you said, it's like you earn your stripes. Yeah. You know, like you have to, for me, that was the only way because yep. the guys that I trained with, we're yep. old school in a sense where you have to, you know, set that, you've got to get to that first mm. um, goal first, then you've got to keep on climbing the ranks. And, you know, every time that you do that, then you're slowly becoming more worthy of, of that end goal. But, and it's not even the physique, it, you know, where I'm kind of heading with this, right, yeah. is yep. we have a little bit of a epidemic, for lack of a better term, mm. especially in this country. Well, but, no one, you know, in most other countries, I see it as well, yep. where everybody competes yep. to get a pro, a pro card. card. It's like, that's the reason for competing. No. And so you have all these motherfuckers yep. that compete in like their first or second show, mm-hmm. right? So yep. and two things happen. Firstly, if they don't do well and they don't turn pro, they yep. have a sour taste in their mouth. Yep. Yep. The second thing is if they do turn pro... Yeah, and their physique is worthy of yep. pro level, depending on the federation. There's a lot of different yep. fucking standards. Yep, yep, yep. But their mind is not ready. Yeah. And I see this all the time. It's like, mom, you, fucking, you've, you've done two shows. What have you gone shows. through? Exactly. You've never competed internationally. Yeah. You've never, you, so many of them have never lost. Never lost. Because you, it's just you, been here. You, on, yeah. 100%. If you yep. fucking do your first show. Yeah. And you win and you turn pro. Yeah. You're going to get your fucking ass handed to you when you hit the pro circuit. 100%. Because you're not going to win your first pro show. No. That's not no, going to no, happen. No, no, no. So how do you, you know, this, and this is what I'm trying to get at is not only have you over the years of, of yep. competing developed a pro mm-hmm. worthy physique, <clears throat> yep. but you have developed pro worthy experience. You yes. developed pro worthy mindset. Well, you know that, what it feels <clears throat> like to go to a competition, yep. be on stage for two seconds. The judges not even fucking look at you yep, yep. and not even place top five. Like, yep. you know what, and yep. you know how to deal with that. Yeah. 
What are your thoughts on this current epidemic of, you know, the primary reason and they just want to turn, get, as you said, but turn, don't get it twisted. The federations are kind of, yeah, uh, they're guilty, making it easy. Yeah. Yeah. Guilty they made of, it a lot easier of, for, yeah. That's kind of how they market it as well. Yeah. It's like, come and do this come federation pro card. and you'll be the next pro and you'll be the best of the best or whatever the yeah. fuck the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, slogan yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, you know, Look, as so, you somebody said, I, who, 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 who respects the sport so much. Yeah, well, I respect the process so much yeah. and I respect the hard work that goes into it. The, as you said, the, 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 the determination and everything that I did from that very, very beginning. And I can't tell you how many people discredited me yeah. because I did NABBA. Yeah. And I was like, all of you guys in Australia, mm. it used to frustrate the shit out of me because it's like you have no fucking idea mm. the quality and the standard of these NABBA guys over there. Like half of them could all turn pro and a lot of them are all IFBB pros. Like the guys winning yeah. the the top, even the top six at a Mr. Universe lineup. Mm. You know, a lot of the young guys listening to this probably have no idea, you know, what NABBA is or what the Federation was like back yeah. in the day. But those guys were absolute monsters. Mm. Um, so for me, doing it the way that I did it, like I said... I felt like I was ready to make the switch, you know, at the time when I decided to move on because I knew I've already competed against these guys over there. If I would have competed in Australia and got my pro card, mm. it would have been, I think, maybe FitX back then. Mm. And essentially, it's a Mr. Australia title. Mm. So you're winning a Mr. Australia title and getting a pro card. Yeah. And I never wanted to get the pro card just for the sake of saying that I was a professional bodybuilder 100%. and then going overseas, as you said, and just getting my ass handed to me. Yeah. So I wanted to be able to go against this, this whole process that we spoke about and doing the NABBA shows, traveling, like traveling at a young age. I started at like 19, you know, traveling, doing Mr. Universe titles and things. The experience that, that came with that, as you said, and then just being able to, to be around that standard. And you do like, I'm the sort of person that I need to know within myself that I earned the mm. pro card, mm. you know, because I wouldn't want to have a pro card in Australia. I'm not saying that I would have got it easily, mm. but if I had it and then I saw the guys even winning NABBA universe titles, I'm like, shit, I'm an IFBB pro, but I just watched the NABBA universe show. I wouldn't have even beaten the top six guys. And this is, you know what, man, this is, this is the difference in mindset that that I'm that that I see with this fucking epidemic. They would rather of, just have of, the pro card. But this is the thing, right? Is as I see, I see, and every you know every show where they're giving out pro cards, you know, mm -hmm. there's certain federations where yep. it's really hard to get a pro card. Very IFBB is yep, one yep, of yep, them. Yeah, and if you get to that level, you have to win your class. You have to win an overall. Yes, you, like it's fucking hard. And by the time yes. you get there, you know, the the majority are worthy. Yep. There's other federations, of course where they hand them out in fucking weedy boxes. Well, sometimes top three get pro cards. 100%. Yeah. And so my, each, my, initial, my initial, you know, as someone else who respects the sport so much and has been competing for so long, mm -hmm. like I remember when I first started competing, the fuck is a pro card? Yeah, exactly. I don't want a pro card. I just want yeah. to be the best athlete I can be and 100%. get better and, and progress and, yep. you know, see how, what comes from it. Exactly. See how far, exactly. And so I see these, I see these athletes now and, you know, they're on their fucking social media and they're, you know, pro this and pro that and whatever. Yep. And I'm like, fucking imagine, like, I wonder what goes through the, someone's head yeah. when they're publicly <laughs> bragging about being a pro athlete, yep, 100%. But they came third and got a pro card. Yeah. But or they didn't win an overall or they they call them, you know, they they yep. they they're, they're bragging about yep. being a pro athlete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 
you're not a fucking top athlete. Good, you're not <laughs> a top athlete. Like, and what's what's the goal here? Is the goal to like have a you know have no. something in your fucking Instagram? It's a bragging, bio? exactly. It's a bragging or, right. Or is it to go? You know what? I'm just going to be the. I want to be the best athlete I can be. I yep. remember back when I competed, right? And this this pro card thing. Um, I said back when I competed, I still compete. But <laughs> I remember, like when, you, when the yeah. pro card thing started to get get, tra- get uh-huh. traction, there are a number of people I competed with who were given pro cards and turned them down. Yep. Yeah, and said, See? you know what? I'm not really, I'm not, I'm, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not interested. Yep. You know, I yep. want to do a few more shows. Yep. I want to get a little bit more experience. Yep. Best way to be. Yeah. And you know what? In, in what you were just saying then, at the end of the day, like there's that saying that real recognizes real. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I see it. There was plenty of times, I don't say it, but you see it with guys, all this pro card talk. Yeah. And you see how they're training. You see how they look. And it's just kind of like, man, it's not all about that. Like you've got it all twisted. You've got it all wrong. Like that's, and look, I suppose that's why in America back in the day, like obviously bodybuilding is a business, right? And they have to do certain things uh, for the business. It's good for money. Um, but the way that it used to be, even like in the States, it used to be like to get a pro card, one person a year got it. And that was from winning the USA's mm. like, holy shit. Yeah. And if you win the USA's, you're like a flex wheeler, Kevin Lavrone, yeah. like one dude. And it's like, holy shit. Yeah. So then, you know, if you've got a pro, a pro competition back mm. then, that lineup is going to be pro worthy. Like mm. these guys are dangerously good. Yeah. Um, whereas I think. Now, nowadays, having so many shows mm. and having so many shows that give pro cards that not everyone's going to travel to, mm. like the big shows back then, you're going to get the same guys going for the same pro card. Mm-hmm. Whereas now guys can kind of escape that a little bit and be like, you know what? You're Those hunting. guys are all going to the Arnold Classic. Yeah. Yeah. How about I do that small pro show over there? Because the chances of all of those dudes rocking up yeah. are quite slim. So yeah. I might get my pro card mm. and be able to brag about it. And then I'll come last for the next five years if I do any any pro shows. Like It just doesn't make sense to me. And I think that whole feeling of self-entitlement mm. and just knowing that you put the work in, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. I wouldn't be able to live with myself. That's just my my character and my personality. That's why I, Tony Doherty, I remember, um, approached me when I was a kid and mm. was saying, you know, the IFBB is the way. And I'm like, I, I can see that. I, I know that all my idols and everyone I look up to, they're all in the IFBB, but I don't see how me competing with WFF and competing with NABBA is going to affect my natural progression yeah. of working my, up, my way up to the IFBB. I mm. always knew that my end game was to be an IFBB pro. Mm. But I also knew when I looked at myself in the fucking mirror that an IFBB pro wasn't looking back at me. Yeah. And there was no point in me doing, you know, IFBB shows. And and back then, the reason why I did it too was because I had the travel component. Yeah. I was able to go to Italy, Brazil, Malta, Germany, like all these different countries that I was mm. able to travel to and enjoy it as well and be able to do the bodybuilding at the, yeah. at the same time. So yeah. that was very, very important. And as you said, for me, it was more about really enjoying the op- the opportunities that brought that came with all of that. And it was like, okay, the pro card is going to come, mm. but it's like, let's just keep going through all of these steps. Make sure that I can win that, go to the next one, win that, and then all of a sudden, it's like, holy shit, I think I'm ready for you know for IFBB. I want to be able to get up there and be competitive with all these guys I've looked up to for so long. And I think. You know, I, I, I want to touch on something that uh, that happened in 2018 when you first came across to the IFBB, uh-huh. right? When you, you had enough of NABBA and you're like, I'm going to go IFBB. Yep. And you did uh, the, did the Victorian, Victorian titles. Won the super it, heavyweights. Was it the titles or the Arnold qualifier? Um, it's called, it's an Arnold qualifier, yep. but... Oh, actually, yeah, let's just say Arnold yeah. qualifier. So yep. it was the Vic Arnold qualifier 2018. Yep. You won the super heavyweight. Yep. You won the overall... 
everyone was like, Jake's going to go on to the Arnold. Actually, that was heavyweight. Heavyweight. That was heavyweight. Okay, so yeah. under 100 kilo. Yeah. yeah. You won that. You won yeah. the overall. Everyone's mm-hmm. talking about you going to the Arnold, winning your pro card at the Arnold. Yep. The next week, you're Jake like, doesn't. Yep. I'm, I'm not happy with my physique. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to do this show. Yeah. I just pulled out. Um, and, and again, I knew what I had to bring. Right. I knew how I had to look. Yep. I knew what a pro-worthy physique should have looked like. Mm. Um, yeah, there was a lot of personal things going on in my life at the time. Um, but the main thing was the approach that I took getting ready for that competition, that whole prep leading up, um, just completely did a 180 like on my physique, mm-hmm. you know, it was just, um, I was way too light. I lost so much muscle. It wasn't funny. Yeah. So yeah, I won the, the overall at the VIX, but there was no way because the pressure was definitely on me at that stage. It's like, I've just come from being a pro mm. with NABBA. Mm. And now as much as people, I didn't hear people saying it, but I just knew that if I was another competitor and I knew that, Hey, this guy's coming, that's just been successful with NABBA. He was a pro with NABBA. Mm-hmm. And now he's coming into our territories doing IFBB. Like if he loses, you know, we're going to make him, we're going to embarrass him and make him look fucking stupid. Yeah. Which I'm sure like, I would kind of have that mindset a little bit too. If I was in IFB, this guy's come from a different federation. Now he wants to try to just come in and take a pro card yeah. and he hasn't competed with the IFBB before. Yeah. Um, and that's when I kind of knew, you know what, my physique isn't where it needs to be for me to be able to, to take, you know, a pro card. And you know what the incredible thing is, right? Is that was your call. Yeah. That was my call. Like I knew what was staring that, back at me in the mirror, man. If I'm, that if that doesn't speak for for uh, self awareness, yeah. and integrity, yeah, I don't know what does. Yeah, I just couldn't do it. But the fact of the matter is, man, and like to be to be completely first show ever yeah. pulled out of too. Well, yeah, hundred percent. But you know, the fact of the matter is. There was a pretty good chance that had you gone on to Arnold, mm-hmm. you probably would have won your pro card 2018. You're going to say no. I'll say no. You're going to say yeah, no. I'd say no. But yeah. I'm going to say there was still a pretty good chance. Yeah. But you made the decision to go, you know what? I'm not happy with yeah. I'm not happy with this. I knew just I how good I could be. Exactly. <clears throat> I don't want to, you know, present this package on stage in yep. pursuit of my IFBB pro card. Yep. You went away for 12 months. Mm-hmm. You came back yep. and you fucking destroyed like it was yep. probably the most dominant. It was 10 kilos heavier than what I was. Condition was yep. better. It was, it was probably, as you said, the most dominant package I've presented. Well, but even, even so the most don- dominant unanimous decision on a pro card that yep. I've seen at the Arnold Australia. Yep. It was just like, yep. you know, and the super heavies was the lineup to be out of this world. Yep. Uh, and I just think that that, you know, the, the, there's so much that aspiring athletes can take from that yep. about, you know, it's not about fucking getting this, no. this bloody, this, this tick it's of saying right your here. pro card. It's got to be right in your mind. It's, it's about being the best possible athlete you, you yep, can be. Exactly. You're doing the fucking work, yep. you know, calling a spade a spade mm-hmm. and making sure that the package that you deliver is your best possible package. Exactly. And as you said, and then if you have the genetics and the fucking structure and so on and so forth, that's, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. But that's what it's about. That's a hundred percent. That's what it's about. And, um, as you said, like being able to, for me, that prep was an absolute dream. Yeah. My training was good. Yeah. I was happy through the whole prep because yeah. I'm looking in the mirror and I knew what I was bringing. I'm like, 
fuck, I've never looked like this before. Like this is going to be an awesome package for me. And I was just so confident and comfortable knowing Mm. that people were going to see that, Mm. you know, because I was happy with it. And I've been competing for long enough then to know Mm. how I should look, how I want to look and what I know is capable of winning shows. Mm. Obviously you never know who's going to be there on the day, Mm -hmm. but I knew that that was going to be the best package that I could have brought for that show. So the whole prep was just an absolute dream. I want to um, talk a little bit about uh, your coaches over the years because you've probably had more high-level, big-name coaches (laughs) than uh, any, you know, you're you're an IFBB pro now, but Mm. up until the start of this year, you were were still, you know, uh, you were NABA pro, but in the the realm of IFBB, still an amateur. You probably had more high-level coaches than anyone else I know. Yeah. Well, I think, look, as as well as to being pretty high-level in terms of um, my exposure with sponsors. A hundred percent. That played a big part. Yeah. yeah, and I, you know, I just want to once again, I want to um, kind of a little bit of context for the listeners because I want to yep. talk about this coaching. Mm-hmm. But I just want them to know that you are more than qualified to talk about this <laughs> based on your experience, oh, 100%. right? 100%. So we start with uh, your first coach, Sammy Ionides. Yep. Right, big name here in Australia in yep. bodybuilding. Yep. You then uh, you signed a deal with Optimum Nutrition mm-hmm. um, back in 2010, 20, maybe. Yeah, I was going to say yep. 20, 2010s. Yep. You introduced to Charles Glass. Yep. Right. Yep. Charles Glass says he's going to take you under his wing. Doesn't yep. end up taking you under his wing, but that's a whole nother story. Yep. You then, uh, you move from ON to BSN. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get introduced to Lee Priest. Yep. Lee Priest coaches you. Yep. And coaches you. For a 212, 213. Yep. yep. Through to your, to the pro world cut. championships. Yep. And, the pro and, cut. and uh, achieving your NABA pro status. Mm-hmm. Um you then uh, have a, a, a um, Enigma coach. Yep. Let's call him the Doc. Yep. <laughs> and now you're uh, you're being coached by a good friend of yours, Aaron. Huh. Uh, and you know what? We missed one in there. We missed Neil Hill. We missed Neil Hill. Neil yeah, Hill was in there as well. Neil Hill was there for part a couple of the years. BSN. A couple of years too. That was part of the BSN. Yeah. So you've had a lot of coaches, a lot of yep. big name coaches as well. Yep. I mean, you know, uh, as history will have it, Neil Hill now is probably one of the most renowned yep. well-known names. pro coaches on the <coughs> IFBB circuit. Everybody mm-hmm. knows about Lee Priest, of course. Charles mm-hmm. Glass has been around forever. Yep. So you've had a lot of experience with coaches. Good cool. experiences, okay. bad experiences. Let's dive in into different this. experiences. Let's dive into this. Right? <laughs> I mean... The thing with coaches is they tend to have, I almost think of it, you know, with my legal background, it's almost a little bit like a fiduciary duty over their clients in the fact that a client inherently trust everything their coach says Yes, and will generally do whatever the fuck their coach says. No questions asked. Yep. How have you navigated that what are mm-hmm. the mistakes that you've made? Yep. What are the lessons that you've learned? Yep. What what should you know athletes look for? for? Yeah. Look what should for. they look for? What should yep. they stay clear for? Yep. Like, talk me a little bit through that. Look, I think as well too. Being as young as I was when I first started coaching, I was so lucky to have someone like Sam Ionides from the from the early years. Yeah. Because he was the three time Mister Universe. He was like with Tom Platts and Arnold and Reg Park and all those guys back in the day. Yeah. Believed in the ethics of hard work, consistency, everything that uh pretty much set up my my career. So learning that from the beginning mm. was very important for me because it already from the get go, it wasn't you need to take more drugs. Yeah. 
So that was a blessing for me because I see what's going on now. Mm. And usually the first thing that coaches want to say is, mm. here's your shopping list. This is what you need. Yeah. Whereas I was taught old school way from the beginning, let's learn how to fucking train first. Mm. Let's train for hours on end. Let's train hard. Let's eat. Let's rest. Let's recover. And worried about that stuff. It's It was more as much as people probably going to say that it's not. It was a fucking afterthought at that stage mm. at my age that I was at because mm. my body grew, you know, doing what I was doing. Mm. So having Sam for, for those years was fantastic. Then his gym ended up, um, uh, they ended up selling his gym. Mm-hmm. So I had to move on. And because I was with the sponsors back then with ON, um, being the age that I was, Charles Glass was affiliated with, with ON. Mm-hmm. So as soon as, um, I think we would have met at, uh, I can't remember what show it would have been um, back then. It was at one of those fitness expos. And I actually really like Charles and I've watched all of his videos. Obviously he was training Flex Wheeler, Chris Cormier, all of this. So he was a major player in the bodybuilding game. Mm. And here's this kid that's only seen him in like magazines and things, able to actually be face to face with him and talk to him and him looking at my physique and telling me he was like, shit, he's like, you know, your arms, your delts and all this. We did some posing together. I sent him all of my pictures from when I was posing as well. And he was like, man, he goes, you got so much potential. Mm. Um, and you can imagine saying that to a kid that's yeah. trying to, that's, that's obsessed with bodybuilding and I'm slowly like getting more and more into it. This guy is like the godfather of the gurus of, of bodybuilding. Yeah. So this news to me, I remember I rang my mum like that day. I remember I walked outside. I'm like, you'll never believe who's helping me. Mm. Like he's offered his help. He said that he's going to prep me for, I think it was the, the 2011 um, world championships in Brazil. Mm-hmm. He wants me to send him photos every week. He's going to change all my food. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. And I was just absolutely over the moon wrapped with like how excited I was. Like I can't even explain to you, like this was the the best thing that's ever happened to me at this point in time. So anyway, Charles says, uh, send me a lengthy email. He goes, I want you to go over everything you've done in the past. He said, don't miss anything. He said, because I really need to work out what we're going to do approaching your prep, send me all your photos. So he said, here's my personal card. It wasn't just like Charles at Optimum or whatever. Mm. It was his personal email address and mobile number. Um, he even got me a ticket for the Olympia. That's how much I thought that we were bonding. Mm. He said, I've got you a ticket for the Mr. Olympia. He goes, you can sit with me. So I'm thinking, wow, I've really hit it off with this guy and made such a good impression. Mm. Long story short, I sent the email and sent everything to him. Never got a response back. Mm. I remember I emailed again. I tried calling his international cell. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I called uh, Optum Nutrition, got the bosses there. Hey, can you get in contact with Charles? Maybe he's um, forgotten that he gave he gave him his details. I sent him all of this. Nothing again. Then I got in contact um, again, and they said, "Look, I just don't think that he's he's not interested." Mm-hmm. So that fucking broke me, man. That was the first time that I ever kind of opened my eyes up and came to a, a realization that. What people say and what they do, like obviously in life, things had happened previous to that, but this guy's supposed to be the guru. Like he's supposed to be the one that can help you. And the way that he came across, it was just such a big letdown mm-hmm. and such a hit to my ego. Cause I thought, fuck, maybe I'm not good enough, you know, to, to do this. And I think we're going to talk a little bit later of how I actually overcame that yeah. mindset wise. Yeah. Um, so that was very short lived. That yeah. was the whole Charles glass thing. Then after Charles glass, I think I got um, Sam, I to introduce me to Lee priest. Mm-hmm. 
Got in contact with Lee, obviously one of the most decorated Australian uh, bodybuilders of all time. Um, really, really looked up to him again. And I remember the first time that I spoke to Lee when I said that I wanted to, to train with him. Mm-hmm. He did not want a bar of it. He just said, you're like every other fucking young kid. All you want to do is think that it's about drugs. Mm-hmm. He said, I don't want anything to do with you, pretty much. And I was so fucking persistent because I knew that I wasn't like that. Yeah. And I wanted him to know that I came from his school of thought. Yeah. You know, I was that way. I, I wasn't about all of this drug stuff. It wasn't just all drugs for me. I wanted to learn how he trained. I wanted to learn his mindset mm-hmm. and what, you know, he took because looking at his physique, obviously it was something that I wanted to emulate. Cause it was like, Holy God, Holy shit. The guy's a fucking freak. Mm. So I remember I actually just rang him and said, I'm booking a ticket to Newcastle. I said, I'm going to fly to Newcastle. What gym do you train at? I'll set up my own accommodation, get a hotel and all that. Just tell me where you train, what time so that I can meet you there. Mm. And he agreed to that. And I remember that um, our first workout, I was there obviously like 20 minutes before or half an hour before, just so he knew that I was fucking serious. Mm. Um, But again, this wasn't, I wasn't invited. I did this. I'm like, I set up this whole scenario. I'm like, no, fuck this. I know what I can bring to the table. I know that I'm not a dickhead. I wasn't this cockhead, young, smart-ass bodybuilder that's all about drugs, which, you know, he hated so much. It was just like he he, he just thought that all the kids of today were, that's all they were about. Yeah. So we had our first leg workout, and literally after that, he was like, you know what? He said, don't stay in your hotel. He goes, stay at my place. Mm-hmm. So and then I ended up staying at his place for like weeks on end, where all we would do was just train, and we were together every day. We were eating every day. We were hanging out, going to the movies, all that stuff. And I I just got accepted. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was accepted, and I remember that he just knew then that I wasn't what he thought that I was. And we got along fine. Like, Lee's not the kind of guy that's like, oh, my God, you're amazing. And, like, he never, like, lifted me up all the time. It wasn't about that. Like, but he was just there. Like, I I trained. We went through the workouts. He's not one of those guys that's going to just give out compliments for the sake of giving compliments. If you look good, yeah, you look good. Mm. It's not, holy shit, you're going to turn pro. Never, ever did he ever say, oh, wait till we turn you into a pro and you've got this massive future ahead of you and you're going to win this and Mr. Olympia that, blah, blah. There was never fucking any of that. It was just, yeah, you look good. Mm. Yeah, do that show. You won that show? That's good. Let's do another like very, very low yeah. key like that. Yeah. Very mellow. It's just like, yep. okay. You know, and I very love factual. that. I fucking yeah. love that. Well, that's so rare these days, right? Oh, because man. now there's, you know, the the coaching business is yep. uh, lucrative, I yep. guess. In, yep. in some in some cases lucrative. So yep. but you know, these coaches are kind of incentivized to pump their athletes full of fucking hot air and promise them the world. Even when a lot of the times the coaches probably know on the back of their minds that you might not have the genetics or the structure or the work ethic or whatever it is, uh, you know, that's going to prevent you from becoming a a, a top athlete, but they'll still pump people full of it. But that's why I used to laugh too back in the day when people would watch a show, like a local show here. And you hear all these idiots say, he's going to be on the Olympia stage one day. It's like, the fuck are you talking about? Like he hasn't even won a, like back then, like my mind, he hasn't won a NABBA world championship. He hasn't won a NABBA universe. Yeah. And now you guys are talking about, oh, he's going to be a future Mr. Olympia. And going a little bit off topic, I can't tell you how many guys when I was coming up that were my age mm. that everyone said, that's the next big thing right there. Mr. Olympia material, this, that. They're fucking nowhere now. Mm-hmm. Either they pumped themselves up full of shit. Their ego got so inflated by their, overinflated by their coaches that they just fell into this trap of comfort or whatever it was. 
anyway, it doesn't matter. They're not here anymore. Mm -hmm. They didn't progress. They didn't get any better. And I was able to just keep progressing and getting better. So I stayed with Lee until I got my um, NABBA Pro card. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he was competing as well again. He made his come come back into NABBA. So he was doing his own thing as well. We kind of went our own uh, separate ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after Lee would have been when I – so it was still under the same brand, uh, under the same business name with um, Glambia, but I moved across to BSN. So they thought that I was better suited – not that I was a fitness looking guy, I was still a bodybuilder, but obviously the difference between optimum nutrition and BSN back then, BSN was what was associated with your bodybuilding. Your bodybuilding. Yep. So that was really good for me. I was happy to make the switch. They had like Dennis Wolf back then. I mm. think they had like Rule, um, their Rule they had Ruley, Flex Lewis. Flex Lewis. Yep. And then obviously yep. before that, back in the day, was Ronnie Coleman. So yep. that was to be a part of that brand was like a fucking dream come true yeah. for me too. Um, so Neil Hill was affiliated and associated with BSN. They had Flex Lewis. So I met Neil. <clears throat> now, this was another. I don't want to, because Neil was a nice guy. Mm. You know, he 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 was uh, very comforting uh, to me. He was, but it can't sort of come to the same situation where, oh my God, you look amazing. You kind of you, you remind me of Jay Cutler physique and and this and that. And there was a lot of like promises and things. I wouldn't say broken promises, but it's like, you're overseas. I'm here. I'm a young kid. Um, I just think that there wasn't, it was trying to work with a coach overseas. That's telling you, you know, giving you all of this advice. I thought because he was like Neil Hill and he's, Mm. and he's this guru, but to be honest with you, the meal plans and everything was just so generic mm-hmm. um, that I kind of felt like I could have done everything that he was doing with me by myself. Like I, I couldn't kind of work out that, you know, he was uh, this whole guru thing and it just didn't make sense to me that what I was doing, I knew that I could kind of do by myself. So it was very disheartening that it wasn't what I thought it was. Yeah. It wasn't personal. Like I thought it was like, yeah, we joked around. We like had conversations on Skype calls and things like that. Um, but I just didn't feel like my, uh, physique was getting the, um, the attention that, that it needed to get. Um, I did a couple of shows. My condition was, was kind of way off. I did a couple of the NABBA universes and stuff and it always came back to, you know, Oh, we need to be a little bit harder next time. And this, that now it's like, man, we had 20 weeks to be hard. Mm. Like I did everything. I'd eat fucking dirt. If you told me to eat dirt. So how come we weren't on stage in shape? Mm. You know, cause it competed a couple of times, like for a couple of years, he helped me. Mm. Um, and it was at the end of it, it was always kind of like, oh, you know, just needed to be like a little bit harder and this and that. It's like, but we had enough time. Like I would have done three hours of cardio, would have done this, would have done that. So to me, I just got the impression that I wasn't a priority. My bodybuilding obviously to me is a fucking priority. I take it very, very seriously. And I just didn't feel like I was getting treated the same way that, you know, that I treat, treated myself. Yeah. Um, and that made it very, very hard to be able to wanting, want to keep, to keep going. So I've already met now like two gurus of mm. the industry and felt like I've been let down. Yeah. So and I think that's, that's probably one of, one of the major lessons, right? For, for oh, the listeners and the viewers, hundred percent, uh, you know, don't put all the eggs in the reputation basket no. of a particular coach. 100%. You know, whether they're known for being a, a, a very good coach to certain top level athletes or whether they're a top level athlete themselves who also does a bit of coaching, don't kind of 
fall into that trap of the going, name. well, you know, the name, yep. exactly. Yep. You know, actually take an objective look at yeah. what service are you providing? Does it suit, you know, do you yep. feel like a priority? Are you getting yes. tailored advice or are you getting just generic? And have a look too, who have they actually created from nothing? From nothing, Not exactly. just a Flex Lewis or someone who... You, a blind person could, you know, look at Flex Lewis and be like, holy shit, mm-hmm. this guy's going to have, you know, future potential. So if you're looking at a coach that just has the top names in the industry, yeah. have a look at where did they start from though? Yeah. Has he just said to them, let's tweak a couple of things and just help them along? Mm. Or has there been, if you looked at the before and after photos, like a transition from an amateur physique that looks, I don't know, like an amateur physique yeah. to a pro worthy pro level physique, yes. you know, the long game, not just someone who, and, and this is what's really frustrating because some coaches will even take credit mm-hmm. and post up photos of athletes that they've worked with for three months yeah. and say, this is my, this is my athlete. Look what we've done. It's like, what did you do? Yeah. Like, what have you done? Like, look at him last year when he competed, he looked fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Like, okay, maybe you've helped and you've changed a couple bits and pieces here, mm. but don't say my athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just think that when they try to take the credit like that and say, hey, look what I've done, it's just kind of like, no, you haven't. Yeah. You know, you haven't been with this guy for like eight years or, or something like like that. Mm. So I think it's really important to see who these coaches have actually groomed from an amateur to a professional mm-hmm. or even just to see a dramatic difference in someone's um, physique, whoever they're, whoever they're working with. So that that was that was the Neil Hill kind of situation. Yep. So again, left a bad kind of taste in my mouth. Um, and after that, I knew that it wasn't about big names anymore. Mm-hmm. I didn't want anything to do with big names, and I definitely didn't want anything to do with this whole corresponding, you know, online and stuff. For what we do, we just need to have a pair of eyes and hands-on attention. You have to. The yep. body's always changing. Mm. You know, you need someone to actually be looking at you, sending photos and things via email. It just, it's it's not good enough. So from there is when I would have met the the doc, let's call him. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? The, 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 the thing that was so appealing about that situation mm-hmm. was the attention from the, like the attention from the beginning. Yep. Together all the time, training all the time, feeling like my bodybuilding and everything was a priority, yeah. which it was, you know, like we were training together in the gym um, and we were able to tweak things whenever we wanted to tweak it, try different foods. How does that respond? You know, whatever, whatever it, it worked really well. And I think that that was something that I hadn't experienced before because mm. it was so hands-on. Um, the only issue with that um, situation was the whole uh, approach and the protocols and the dieting, the cardio, everything just didn't work for me, mm. you know? And that's what I'll put it down to because I'm, I was old enough by then. That was like 2018, mm. you know? So I'm old enough by then to, to make my own decisions, maybe 2017 or something like that. Um, and I didn't pay attention enough to what my body was doing. Like I was losing a ton of muscle. You know, I, I came from even the year before competing at, you know, like a hundred and uh, over a hundred kilos, like 106 or maybe, yeah, well, maybe 105 kilos, something like that. And then I'm this whole contest prep, I'm just getting lighter and lighter and lighter. Now his idea was to get me as lean and as, as hard as I possibly could be. Mm. Now, I think you have to subjectively look at your at your body and your physique and know what look suits you. Do you look good getting, you know, as lean as you possibly can and really dieting down? 
or do you look better, fuller? Obviously, you don't want to sacrifice condition, but you've got to balance. You know the what you're going to do with your prep. You're going to stay a little bit heavier. I found that whole approach to it. I was doing heaps and heaps of cardio heaps of cardio. I was pulling food. So I completely changed the way that I was eating before I was eating carbohydrates. Now I'm only eating carbohydrates around my workouts. The rest of the day is all fats. Mm. So it's not a ketogenic diet. It's a hybrid keto, keto diet. Got some carbs around my workout. Mm. The rest of the day was just fats. Anyway, the whole approach didn't work for me. And unfortunately, um, who I was working with kept on saying, I'm looking better and better and better and better, um, which in, in his eyes, maybe that was the look that he wanted to go for. And because, as we said earlier, as um, him being a coach and me being the student, pretty much, I just I go along with it. I just mm. say, yes, I want to see this through. Um, and my personality as well, I like to see things through. So I'm like, um, I want to see what the end goal is going to be here. And unfortunately, uh, this was when I would have been prepping for the 2018 Arnold's. Yep. And this is that whole back. That's this is the backstory to that whole thing before. Whereas I just kept on losing muscle. It uh, wasn't a look that I was happy with. And then, as we said before, ultimately I pulled out of the out of the Arnold's. So that just again, when I when I got over that and sat back and really looked at it, I was just like, why am I hiring other people or having other people help me when I know what fucking works? Like, especially now, like I don't regret any of it because that has showed me kind of opened my eyes up to different ways of doing things, seeing how my body responds to things. I could have woken up a lot earlier and just gone, gone back to what I knew what worked. And that's why now working with, so the Aaron, my best friend that I'm working with now, it's not, it's not like he's my coach. Like we're just good mates. He overlooks my prep, but he's got the same vision for my physique. He, what he thinks looks good on me is what I think looks good. How I want to come into shows. I want to stay big. I need to eat heaps of food. Um, and then he just kind of overlooks that. And it works so much better because I'm doing my own thinking. He's confirming uh, a lot of it, which I think is very important. I think just going into it alone and not having someone to have a second pair of eyes, not allowing someone to, you, you need something. But the main fucking thing that, uh, that I've got from all of this is find someone that actually cares about you. Find someone that has the same idea of, of your physique and you both have to be on the same page of how you, they want you need to look and then they have to care. The care factor has to be there. Cause if and I think, you know, as well as that, you need to, the, 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 the fabric of what you're talking about from my perspective is just this awareness piece, yep. right? Is, is, is being aware of a few things. Firstly, yep. based on your personal experience, mm -hmm. what works for you, yep. you know, and yep. not, you know, th this sport is so fucking basic. Right. Yeah. And not there's that much information, do, and, but not yeah. trying to do things that are so far. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. It, but that's yeah. exactly what it is. Like, yep. you know, you know, within this range and this range, what's going to work for yep. you. Don't go out fucking over there exactly. and try something exactly. completely different. There is a reason why, like even like Ronnie Coleman and these guys, yep. if you watch all of their plans, yep. like all of these people that have all these all the new ideas shit. and stuff, exactly. They yep. all want to say that, oh, the way that they were eating was wrong. You know, yep. you've got to eat this, you've got to eat that. It's like, but they, they were, look at them all. They yeah. were, the champions were all doing the same fucking thing. Yep. And it's quite mundane. It's quite boring, but it fucking works. Works. It just Why takes time. Why change it? And then I think the other awareness piece is, and this, this one is particularly difficult because, you know, I think that, that, that 
uh, especially with <laughs> with the sport now and this kind of um, yep. self entitlement mindset. Yeah. Uh, and the delusional mindset as well mm-hmm. is actually knowing, you know, what is your potential? Oh, you know, man, that, that's like huge. taking and, and be it's, honest. Dif- it's difficult. It's difficult yeah. because most people can't look in the mirror and be honest with themselves and nah. go, you know what? I just don't have the genetics to make it to the Olympia stage. Yep. yep. So, you know, I might get to an Arnold Certain stage or I might improved, get to a sure. nationals yep. or so on and so forth. But I don't, you know, I just know I'm, you know, yep. I'm not as hard as a pill it is for me to swallow. Yeah, I'm looking I just at him don't and I don't potential. think that I, yeah, exactly. exactly. And understanding that and then not letting a coach blow smoke up your ass. Yeah. For the benefit of themselves, They're lining their pockets because that's what it's about. Essentially, it's not that's about exactly you what it's at that about. point. No, you know, no, no, if no, you no. if you just don't have the fuck it, no yeah. matter. And this is the thing, man. It's an awareness piece. No matter how bad you want to be, the next fucking Mister Olympia. Yep. If you just don't have the genetics, yes, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. If you're a, you know, I like to, I like to use this example with performance-based sports because I feel like sometimes it's easier for people to understand. Yep. If you want to be the next LeBron James, yep. But you're not six foot eight. <laughs> the chances are it's not going to fucking happen. It's not going to happen. You know. But I think too, because it is such um, like people are looking at themselves in the mirror, um, and they are seeing. I don't know. Like some guys, they're just what they're seeing and what they think their potential is. As you said before, I can easily sit back and look at my and look at my physique and just say, okay, all right, I'm looking at the structure. Yeah, I can put some more muscle on. There's others. There's some guys you look at their frame and you think, okay, you can get better, mm. but where are you going to put this muscle? Like it's not going to look good go? on your frame. Yeah. Some guys look better at stay at 212 and then you see they start to get a little bit heavier and then mm. all of a sudden they don't look as good. Yeah. So there's definitely so many factors that play a part, but you need to be honest with yourself and just say, okay, where where is the future in my physique? Yeah. You know, how far can I take it? Um, and as you said before, be so careful of people that you're either are either on your payroll that are telling you, you know, that, oh yeah, you know, the next show, the next show, you've yeah. got what it takes. Yeah. Trust me, you, you know, you can be there. And, but if you're looking at the top level, the top level guys, or mm. not even top level, even just, let's just say really good amateurs, because the best amateurs still got amazing genetics. 100%. You know, they've still got good genetics. Yeah. And yeah. obviously these are the people that end up turning pro. So you have to compare yourself to a point yeah. where competing in a sport that is heavily based on genetics. Mm-hmm. You've got a panel of judges looking at you and assessing your physique from top to bottom. Mm. So how the fuck can you tell me the genetic makeup doesn't matter? You know, it, it's it, the weirdest thing, man, because like when you talk about performance based sports, people mm-hmm. get it. Like some people are yep. genetically mm-hmm. going to make good basketballers. Yeah. Runners. Some, some people are genetically going to make good, good sprinters. Yeah, sprinters. Some yep. people genetically are going to make, you know, pick a fucking sport. Exactly. Genetics right. has a huge part to play. Yeah. For some reason, when we talk about physique based sports, oh. now all of a sudden it's got nothing to do with genetics. It's, got nothing it's just to do with about it. how hard you work. And people get and so fucking, upset. Yeah. If you tell them, that's how it is. Yeah. No, it's not. It's all about hard work and stuff. All of the top pros work hard. Yeah. They all fucking work hard. Yeah. They all eat really good. Yeah. They all do everything. The thing that separates a Phil Heath from someone who's placing out of the top 10 is his fucking genetics. You know, the, the muscle bellies, the genetics, the other guy just can't 
ever look like that. 100%. Doesn't matter what he does, and you he's know, never going to resemble Phil Heath. The, the other thing, you know, real quick, I, I, I want to touch on it because, you know, no one ever ever really talks about it. Yeah. But the other aspect of The that, guys that think, let's take more drugs to look like Phil Heath? 100%. Or Phil Heath must be taking more than me. That's the reason why he looks yep. like that. It's now Fuck. like, okay, well, now because the sport, you know, an inherent part of the yep. sport at the high levels yeah, yeah, is yeah, performance yeah. enhancing drugs. Yep. Well, you know, now that kind yep. of substitutes for genetics as well. I was just a bit, <laughs> as you said, though, this is their way of dealing with not accepting that, that they, it's all about genetics. Exactly. They have to put it on something. Mm. I cop this all the time. Yeah. So the reason why he's winning, the reason why he's bigger than me, better than me is because he takes more drugs than yep. me. I'm like, you guys have no fucking idea that if they've been in the sport as long as I have mm. and they've seen people with that mentality that then go down this road of taking every fucking drug yep. under the sun and just turning into this toxic mess that they still look like a shittier version, maybe a, a little bit bigger, mm. but still the same fucking shittier version of, of yep. what they were. They haven't improved and some physiques just shouldn't go down that path. And, you know, just to tie this back to coaching, yep. because that's kind of, you know, where, where this really fits well, in. Well, some coaches will tell you to do this. A hundred percent. And once again, it comes back to awareness. If you find yourself in a situation where you're being coached by somebody yep. and their solution to your lack of genetic predisposition is to pump Use you more and shit, more shit yeah. you need to run you in need the to other run direction. You need to run for the hills as far as you can. And that is the worst advice that anyone could possibly give you. If yeah. they were being honest and they were actually being true to themselves mm -hmm. and to you and helping you out in your long game mm -hmm. and not trying to fuck you up, mm. um, they would be letting you know that hey, look, this could be, let's say that uh, this guy's got more potential as a physique athlete. Let's yep. just say whoever it is. Yep. They would say that. They would say, look, this is the direction of your physique. I've mm. worked with all of these other guys. Mm. I'm just letting you know that in my personal opinion, and if we're going to continue working together, this is the goal. You know, you can be an amazing physique competitor, but you're not going to be competing with Phil Heath and mm. those guys at the, at the Olympia level. I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but unfortunately, sometimes in life, someone has to give you the cold hard fucking truth 100%. because if everybody keeps leading this kid down the garden path by saying that oh yeah it's only a matter of time this that the other then it's just an absolute mess and the thing is you know those of you listening those of you watching the quicker you can get to this point right the quicker you can get to the point of self-awareness yeah, and the truth, realization truth yeah right the better it's going to be for your long-term physical mm -hmm. health mm -hmm. mental health well-being yep because you know where the bar is. Yeah. You know where the bar is. You're not going to start doing things that are unsafe and detrimental to your long-term health mm -hmm. to try and get over and above that bar no. because you know it's never going to fucking happen. And you know what? Everybody that I have met, all uh, past and present professionals, they are not doing the dumb shit that people think there is, yeah. they think they're doing. Yeah. Yes, there may be the select few that are, mm -hmm. but a lot of the guys that have the longevity behind them, that have been doing this for a long time, that mm. look like pros... Mm aren't doing the dumb shit that I hear that local guys are doing at the, at the local gym. Yep. Like some of the, the things that you hear are just absolutely absurd, insane, dangerous, mm. and fucking scary. Like I never, at their, at their ages, I didn't even know what half that shit was. Yeah. And I wouldn't even contemplate, you know, doing that. Yeah. But now it's like, that's the, not the first thing, but pretty soon after training, mm -hmm. they're already wanting to, to meet. And hopefully you guys 
don't bump into one of these coaches mm. that tell you that mm. because I've seen it happen so many times and you do, you feel sorry for it because these young kids are thinking that these guys know what they're doing, you know, and some of these guys might be big guys themselves. So a lot of the younger guys in the gym say, well, if he's a big guy and if he resembles, uh, you know, what I kind of am aiming towards, it's he the must same, know. It's the same thing as the big name. You yeah, fall, you, you exactly fall, the you same don't thing just as fall the big into, name. Sometimes you don't fall into the big name because you don't have access to them, yep. but you fall into the biggest guy at the gym exactly. because he looks a particular way yep. and you get fucking spellbound by this, yep. this you know, aura yeah. that you, exactly. the story that you tell yourself. If you can diet properly, yep. like just eat clean, yeah. do whatever at the beginning, if you can train hard, if you're going to go down the performance route, you know, do what you have to do there, but you will know and you will slowly progress. You don't need... You don't need a coach from the beginning if you're going to do things, you know, the right way. Or if you do, find a coach. Yeah. Find a proper good coach. Do your groundwork, as we said before. And if the first thing that they're doing is trying to sell you stuff, yeah. run. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, just to close this out before we move into the next yep. bit that I want to <laughs> talk about. Yeah. In my personal experience... And, you know, fortunately what I do with, with my company, Massive Joe's is I, you know, have the opportunity to work with mm -hmm. the best of the best athletes in the yep. country. Every elite level pro athlete that I have ever worked with or ever had involved in the business or ever known had built an elite physique naturally yeah. beforehand. Yeah. Every single one. Yep. Not a couple. No. Nope. Not the exception to the rule. Mm -hmm. Every single one. Yeah, there you go. This goes to show. Yeah. You have to, it has to always, it always is there. Like there's so many um, like pros that you look at. And if you have a look at their old pictures of when they were younger, yeah. it was always there. Yeah. You, know, you could tell like, shit, this guy's got, you know, genetics. Yep. Or let's just flip it for a little bit. Even though Dorian Yates, if you look at old photos of Dorian Yates, he still looked good. Mm. Like you could still tell he's a bodybuilder. Mm. But he's a perfect example though of, hard work, like ridiculous hard work, like yeah. more hard work than a lot of other people. Like he was willing to push himself to absolute ridiculous extremes, yeah. but the genetics were still there. Yeah. Okay. He just had slightly maybe less genetics than some of the guys that he was up against, mm. but he overcame that by an insane work ethic. Yep. But I'm not going to lie to people like some people do and just say, if you have an insane work ethic, you're going to beat everybody because mm. you're not. Mm. If you have that and the genetics, fuck you're going to do well. Now we're, now we're, now we're talking. You're going to do well. So we've spoken a lot about bodybuilding. Yes. But you have a life outside of bodybuilding. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick. Thank God for that. <laughs> Tell me, what does, what does a typical day in the life of Jake look like? From when you get up in the morning mm -hmm. to when you go to bed at night, typical work day, weekday, what does that look like? Okay. Not all that exciting. Um, I like to train first thing in the morning. Yeah. So I like to train, uh, as we said earlier in the piece, um, our family business is a, a metal fabrication company. Uh -huh. uh, we employ about uh, 25 people um, and we supply all major hardware stores with all of their metal roofing and rainwater products. Yeah. So very busy company. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to be able to get my workouts done first thing in the morning. Normally I'll train 6 a.m. Mm -hmm. um, so then I find that that has been the best um, way, the best spot to put my workouts yeah. because then by the time I get to work and the stresses of the day and the phone calls, returning people's calls and disgruntled customers or, you know, just the dealing of just the normal day to days. Mm. Um, 
if it's on my mind and then I try to train in the gym or try to work out, forget about it. I mm. have terrible workouts. I uh, don't enjoy my, I don't enjoy my training. Um, and it's just in the back of my mind, there's just always something that I know that I've got to do maybe that afternoon, call this person or did I organize that, whatever. But if I train first thing in the morning, 6am, clear mind, clear head, put the phone to the side, mm-hmm. unless I'm doing an Instagram video, but uh, you know, put the phone, put the phone to the side for the most part and just get on with my workout, yeah. you know, and that's what's made me to be able to continue to keep loving my bodybuilding as well in that sense. So from there, then I head straight down to, to work, to the factory mm-hmm. and there I'm general manager. So me, mum and dad running the business, I'm out on the floor with all the guys, making sure obviously that all of their jobs are organized, yeah. any issues that they have, making sure that um, they're all partnered up um, and pretty much just the general overseeing of the the flow of the company during the day. Just for a little bit of scope, how many employees are we talking about in a factory? 25. Okay. There's about 25. So yeah. we've got five trucks out on the road all day, every day. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got all the guys in the factory that are on the folders at the front of the factory, yeah. folding up all your guttering and flashings and things like this. And in the back of the factory, we have all of your custom fabrication, fabrication stuff, all your welding, CNC punching, mm-hmm. plasma cutter, laser cutting, mm-hmm. um, all that kind of thing. So there's a whole bunch of different components um, to the business, which I absolutely love because it's so different for, from all the bodybuilding stuff yeah. that it gives me like in the morning, I'm all about bodybuilding. It's, you know, everything is, that's consumes me for that point in time. And that's how I've been able to keep improving. And then when I go into the factory, let's flip the switch. Now it's, you know, manager Jake, you know, now I'm able to completely change what I'm doing and be in a different environment altogether, different motivations. And I love it. I love being in that, even when the pressure's on, like stresses of the day, uh, I still really, really enjoy that. Um, and being able to do it with the family business too, and seeing what mum and dad have created mm. so long ago and mm. being able to now participate and be a part of it and improve certain areas of the company is just a really good feeling and nice thing to be able to do. So normally work days will finish at uh, roughly around about 5.30. Yep. Um, I'll lock up the factory, pack everything up, and then from there, like I try to get all my meals in, obviously during the day, I, I, I still don't stop the, 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 my normal meal intake. Mm-hmm. So every few hours I'll still stop. I'll make sure that I get all my food in because these are the things I need to be able to balance and manage a normal life. Like yeah. so many bodybuilders that, that want to just bodybuild one dimensional, one dimensional. Yeah. It's like you, you can make it work. Yeah. It's, it's, it requires a little bit more, uh, you know, shifting of, of, of your time or whatever you need to do, but it, you, you can make it work. And then once you make it work, you realize that it's essential and very important to make it work because you need other areas in your life. You need to have all these different aspects of your life. Yeah. Um, so that's the work day done. And then at nighttime, obviously that's the time that me and my, my fiance, Stacey get to just unwind a little bit. I only train once a day, so I'm not back in the gym. Mm-hmm. We get to just have that time to just unwind take the dog to the park, mm-hmm. you know, do all, do all these sort of things, cook food for the next day, um, things like that. But realistically, it's those, those hours that I'm at the factory because of um, how fast paced it is. Like a lot of the times once work finishes, then it's quoting all the jobs, organizing everything for the following day. So they're all mm-hmm. the kind, that's all the behind the scenes type stuff that we have to organize um, as well. But pretty, pretty basic kind of day for me, man. Yeah. I want to, touch on this, uh, obviously your lovely fiance, Uh Stacey at the moment, um, who's currently pregnant with your first child, first child, baby girl on the way, start of 2020. 
I want to touch on this if you're um, willing to talk about it, because yep. once again, there's, there's this definite kind of crossover that I see frequently with people who are heavily involved in, in physique based sports, yep. um, you know, and, and in particular, those who are quite good at it, yep. um, you know, the elite level athletes uh, and how they manage personal relationships yeah. because the sport is very demanding. Yes. A hundred percent. A lot of people become very one dimensional. Mm-hmm. Um, majority. It's yeah. the majority. Yeah. And it's di- like, it's, it's difficult. You know, what we do as professional athletes in the sport is, is fucking, yeah, it's, it's, is, is, is weird. Yep. It's weird. It is. It's a taboo. It's you a know. taboo. What we do is taboo. <laughs> There's strange. a reason why people fucking look at us strange, yeah. you know, because it, it is different. Yeah. And you, you know, obviously knowing you uh, personally over the years, um, you've been in uh, a number of kind of long-term relationships. Yep. You know, you've been in a relationship with someone who really wasn't interested in the sport at all. Yep. You've been in a relationship with someone who was professional and pro athlete it. in yep. the sport. And now you've kind of found your, um, the Happy. love of your life yep. in, in, in Stacey. But yep. talk us through that a little bit. So... <clears throat> I've always been a relationship kind of guy. Yeah. Um, and I've always wanted the support and I've always had that vision in my head of yeah. what I thought that that looked like yeah. um, and how that was going to come across. Mm. But it um, it just took so much experience to to be able to actually learn that that wasn't as easy as I, as I thought that it was. Mm. Um, in the beginning, uh, my first long-term partner that I was with, I was with her for almost probably eight years. Mm. So I would have been from like, oh, I don't know, I think we met at maybe like 18 years old, mm-hmm. something like that, or 17 years old. And at the time I was still training, I was in love with bodybuilding. And I think because we were still so young, um, she was able to put up with me going to the gym and stuff because we're still partying and, you know, we had that, that, that kind of lifestyle. So yeah. that was fine. But I think the, the further our relationship progressed, the more that she wanted. And as we got to the final, like not the end, well, yeah, kind of towards the the final stages of our relationship, the last few years, yeah. she obviously wanted to do the things, the house, think about the kids, settle down, all these things. And this is when like I, my dreams for bodybuilding were still so strong. Mm. And I knew that like, I really wanted to take this as far as I could possibly take it. Mm. So then I had a person that was kind of not wanting me to be in the gym kind of maybe as long as I was in the gym and yeah. maybe not being as supportive and mm-hmm. hoping that uh, hopefully he gives this up soon kind of thing. And it's kind of like that, that, that half pregnant support. Yeah. One foot in, one foot out. Yeah. Which is, is very common. Very, very common. With relationships with, with top level athletes in the sport. You very. Know, it's kind of like, yeah, my partner's supportive. Uh-huh but they're not really supportive. No, no. And I, I, and I knew exactly right. And yeah. I knew kind of how I had to, to feel in order for me to, to keep doing what I was doing. And it just felt like she didn't want me to be away in the gym when I was, yep. I was always eating and all yep. that stuff. And I could tell that I was starting to become this drag mm-hmm. type, type thing. Mm-hmm. All of her friends, nobody did what I did. All of her friends were able to just pick up and go out and, you know, do what they wanted to do. Whereas if I had to do that, I have to plan. Yeah. Like I have to pack my food. I have to do this, have to do that. And I can just tell that that was wearing really thin on her. So I knew that, well, I knew in my head what my lifestyle was going to be yeah. over the next 10 years or however long it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And 
I just knew that this isn't going to work. And we slowly, slowly, the biggest problem was I was just a going along. I was going along with it. Mm. You know, I was happy to, even when she said that she wanted to build a house, I said, sure. You know, I'm thinking about having kids. Sure. But this was me. Just, these weren't my ideas. Mm. I was just thinking, okay, well, this is what life's about. She wants to do all of these things. And I'll just say yes to them. I'm still able to train. I'm still able to do, you know, these things for now. It's not ideal. It's not perfect. But that's just the way that it is. That's life. It's what we call settling. Settling. A hundred percent. So I thought that I would roll over and settle. Mm. Um, and it sounds horrible, but this is just two different types of people. She's not a bad person. Yep. I wasn't a bad person. Two different types of people, completely different uh, mentality on things and goals in life. Mm. So that is where um, it got to the point where we were starting to argue a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it weren't fighting, but just stupid arguments. Like, just I could tell that she's getting frustrated with with my bodybuilding lifestyle. Yeah. I've got to go to the gym. Sorry, I can't come to that party. I'd rather, you know, train for a, you know, a show or, you mm. know, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So she ended up walking out on me. Mm-hmm. She left. So when she left, um, I wouldn't say that it was a huge shock, mm-hmm. but I was still with this person for such a long time. The comfort- All of your adult life at that point. All of my adult right? life at that yeah. point. The comfort was there. And it took me a good year to kind of, like I didn't try to get her back. Mm-hmm. I knew what happened and why it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I spoke to other people as well. And obviously they all gave me the same feedback. Like I knew that it was me and this, at that point, pretty selfish bodybuilding at that point. Mm-hmm. I do still find myself though, even in, in those years, I was still giving back. Mm. I was still wanting to do like, I would still go to go out wherever you want to go out. You want to go shopping want to do this. I just need to pack all my food. I need to do all this stuff. Whereas again, still for her and her end game, it wasn't, we weren't on par. It wasn't the same. So it took me a good year to kind of get over that and just work out shit. <sighs> Should I have just settled? Should mm. I have maybe just, kept going to the gym and training, but this whole dream of being a, a professional bodybuilder and giving up so much, mm. but now I'm missing out on, on, on all of that. And I, all these scenarios were going through my head about, you know, getting a house and having kids and all this stuff and just saying, yes, 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 yes. And you know, whatever. But then what, what kind of, um, took over all of that and made that stuff feel like it was nothing was this fire within me, how much I loved my bodybuilding. I'd always think back to fuck, if I'm going to be an older guy, I actually, like I knew that looking back and knowing that I took that road, Mm -hmm. I would not be happy with myself. Mm -hmm. So yes, I might've conformed and, 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 did what I thought everybody says that that's the natural progression of life. You know, you meet someone, you've been together for that long and it just is what it is. You know, you have to give up on your goals. You have to give up on your dreams. You've got a family now and and that's, that's the end of it. So that took a while for me to be like, you know what? I am so happy that I've still got my dream. I've gone, I've made the right decision. Emma, we'll see was the one that made the decision, but it wasn't something that I wanted to pursue at all. And I just knew that I just want to go back to, back to my bodybuilding and maybe I need to be with somebody that understands what I do. Mm. And cause I still, like I said, I'm a relationship type guy. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I'm like, what is going to work? Like what, how am I going to be able to live my dream, do this bodybuilding? And for me, the, what kept on making sense back then was I need to be with a bodybuilder yep. or I need to be with somebody in that industry. is, that is heavily involved in the industry as much as me. Yep. Um, and 
that's the only way that I'm going to be able to, you know, have a long, you know, longevity with my bodybuilding and create a life with somebody. Because which makes it makes a lot of sense, right? So you you've think. gone from you've gone from this relationship that yep. was you Her know, not you're, into with, you're with a partner who's really not interested in nah, the fitness lifestyle at nah, all. Nah. So you go, okay, well, what's the polar opposite of that? Let me go there. A hundred percent complete polar opposite. Yeah. Yep. So I, I thought that, um, that was, that was what needed to, to be done. Yeah. So I met someone that was heavily involved in the industry. Mm-hmm. She was a professional athlete as well. She ate, slept and trained bodybuilding, had her own job too. She was mm-hmm. a personal trainer. So everything at that stage, cause I was doing some PTs and things back then as mm-hmm. well. So literally, as you said, we were exactly, we were on the same path in a sense. We were so heavily involved in the industry. Plus we're both professional athletes, mm-hmm. you know, so it was good. Like I thought that I was on the right, on the right path. Mm-hmm. But then the thing is because she had her goals and I had mine, it kind of just two people going through life, but realistically we're just training and we're both like getting ready for shows, but there wasn't that, um, component of, uh, it wasn't a unit, you know, mm-hmm. we were both separate, mm-hmm. you know, but because we could be around each other, cause we were doing the same, the same thing all the time. And we were both trying aiming to compete, but there wasn't that end game or end goal of actually being with this person. I think we were both just kind of sidetracked by what we were doing. We didn't actually have a think about how we actually felt about each other and did we love each other and was this actually love or are we just with each other for the convenience of of us both being, you know, in the thick of it in the scene. Yeah. Um, and once again, uh, you know, not an infrequent scenario. No, is you see this, you know, and and there's probably a lot of a lot of people listening and watching mm-hmm. this right now who are like, yeah, that kind of defines my relationship yep. as well. You know, I'm seeing someone who mm-hmm. is really interested into fitness, and we're both in the same industry, and so on and so forth, and yep. it's fantastic. Yeah, and sometimes it can work very, very well. Yes, I think that the way I kind of like to think about this because um, my path of relationships is very similar to yours. <laughs> it's scary similar. It's very scary similar. Um, is there's three people in a relationship, right? There's yourself, there's your partner, and then there's a the relationship. Yep. And often when you are so closely aligned in your goals and what you do for a living and so on and so forth, you can be very supportive of each other yep. 100% and, yep. you know, and you can do do things to help each other mm-hmm. and love each other and so yep. on and so forth. Yep. But there's actually nothing the going relationship's into the not relationship. Growing. The relationship hasn't grown. There's n- neither of you are doing anything for the benefit of the relationship yep. as its own entity. Yep. You're doing things for the benefit of each other mm-hmm. and yourselves. Yep. Fantastic. Yep. But that third, that third, the relationship mm-hmm. really suffers. Yeah. And I think you kind of dig a lot deeper then into the personality as well. And you're yeah. kind of like, there's no fucking substance to this mm. anymore. Mm. Like, yeah, we could train together for the next 10 years, yeah. but this isn't my end game. Mm. My end game is to, to have someone that supports my dream that, yeah. as you said, we're building a life together at the same time. Whereas yeah. I don't want to make it sound horrible, but the actual relationship side of things, like you said, in the life part, mm-hmm. that whole time was stalled. Mm-hmm. That didn't move. Yeah. We didn't change gears there. Yeah. It's like I got better in my bodybuilding. She got better in her bodybuilding. But the relationship didn't fucking budge. Yeah. You know, we didn't do anything together. We didn't build anything together. 
it just was what it was. Yeah. Um, and that to me, like I said, I thought that this was the path. Mm. It got real fucking old real quick. Yeah. I need a lot more than that. You know, I had the end game in mind. I wanted a partner. Mm. I wanted someone that I'm going to spend the rest of my, my life with. I wasn't looking for, you know, anything less than that. Yeah. So once I kind of realized that this is going nowhere, mm -hmm. we've kind of, reach this like we were at the ceiling point from the beginning it just hasn't moved mm. it just it hasn't budged so both of us you know we're just like okay this just isn't isn't happening you know and i had to i had to get out of there yeah. i had to get out of there because it was just uh, becoming to the point where i knew that no matter what i did mm. i'm the kind of person that tries to fix things mm. something was broken in our relationship and I tried to fix things over and over again, but unfortunately over the past, like that was a major lesson though, because uh, I tried to get an outcome out of something that just wasn't fixable for, for me to fix. Mm. You know, I think there was too many, too many things that were, that were going on that I tried my best to make it work. Um, and uh, it just didn't work. And mm. now I, like I said, I'm so glad that it didn't because it would have been again, the same kind of situation before just settling mm -hmm. and just saying that I can fix this. That's not a loving relationship. Like you shouldn't well, be like, almost, I can fix this. Like yeah. that's, that's bad. Almost settling in the other direction. Like when you yeah. talk about your first partner, it was kind of like settling on yep. the fact that, you know, you, your, your, um, dreams and your, mm. the fitness part of your lifestyle was yep. just going to have to take a little bit of a backseat. Yep. Whereas in the second relationship, it's like, well, everything outside of that's going to have to take yeah. a backseat. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's the polar opposite. Yeah. But it's still the same thing. And, and I think too, like some people, when they get into a, a, a relationship, maybe they think that like, cause we grow. Yeah. How, if someone asked you 10, 15 years ago, yeah. you know, you, do you want to get married or this? No, like you don't want any of that. Yeah. But you, as we mature and as we grow, and that's the whole point about being in a relationship that, that grows. Yeah. Like at the start, it is what it is. And it turns into something that's like, Hey, I want to spend the rest of my life with this person or it progressively keeps on want, making you want to want more yeah. because that person's the right person for you. You have that connection. You should want to do that. Mm. It shouldn't be, Oh yeah, I can probably make that work. Mm. It's like, man, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. That should never even come into your mind that you should make that work. So, and I think that you do end up wanting different things. Mm. And I think that when we first got together, it was probably like, let's support each other's bodybuilding and things, but it just never grew. Mm. You know, we were never able to, to get past that. Mm -hmm. So that's when I'm, I was, I was out. Okay. So meeting someone like Stacy then mm. coming after all of that, that isn't directly involved in the industry. Mm. She trains, mm -hmm. doesn't, doesn't um, compete. She's not heavily involved in the, in the industry, Yeah, but man, there's the first time in my life that just meeting someone like just even the first time and our first encounters, it was just kind of like, didn't want to get too excited, but at the same time, I was just like, man, this is refreshing. Mm. This is fucking normal. Like just, it feels normal. It mm. feels right. We got along. There wasn't all of these other issues that, that I had in past relationships. So that's why I'm kind of saying before is if I would have settled mm -hmm. from the beginning, I never, ever would have experienced this nope. and never for a second in uh, my relationship with my fiance, Stacy, have I thought, I can make this work yeah. or I can settle for this. It's just been like next level, next level, next level engagement, 
baby, like all of these things. And it's just all welcomed mm. and it's brought out the best in me and my bodybuilding. It's brought out um, the best in both of us. And as you said, as a unit now, us together traveling through life, it's, it's the best feeling ever when you've, when you've got that support from someone yep. and you know that everything that I do is building the relationship. As you said before, before mm. you're both building lives for mm. yourselves, but there's nothing getting built together in the relationship. Yeah. A hundred percent. It kind of, you know, it, it's, it's one of these things as well, um, that applies to the realm of relationships, but applies to kind of everything. Is, mm-hmm. You know, one of the things with the with with people who are heavily involved in the fitness lifestyle and in competing and and you know, bodybuilding, physique based sports, whatever it is, is it's very all consuming. Yes, and it can kind of go one of two ways. Yep, right. Is it can either consume all other areas of your life. Yep. and start to really pull everything away. Yep. Or it can add to every other area of your yes. life and make you a better person. Hundred percent. If you if you're able to take the 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 lessons and the mindset and the mm-hmm. um, the the skills that you learn through the sport, through competing, through yep. you know the, the um, developing grit, developing perseverance, developing mm-hmm. doing things when you don't want to do them, but yep. you know you have to. Yep. You know all of these all of these kind of cliche things. Yep. There's a fucking we can you know yep, spend go on the rest forever. of the podcast yep. going. But if you can take all of those lessons and apply them to other areas of your life. Yep. That's the real unlock. hundred percent. Definitely, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's so important that, um, you don't just go into all of these relationships for the sake of just thinking that it's going to work or I've got to make this work. Yeah. You know, um, how many bodybuilders too, like, or even just people that are involved kind of heavily in the industry that have this sense of entitlement too, that think that their partner, has to do all the running around for them and they're not giving back. Yeah. You know, that's not how it is either. You know, it's, it's work. Relationship is work. It's got to be both sides. You know, you both have to be able to, like, I'm sure if I just sat around and if I wasn't, you know, letting my partner feel like she was, you know, how much she means to me and how much she helps and mm. that we're together in this and that it's actually exciting for her. Like yeah. for me to win a show, like that's exciting for both of us. Like that's a team, that's mm. a team thing. Mm-hmm. But if it was just about me and all she was doing was just running around me or, you know, tiptoeing around me because, oh, I'm dieting and I'm this grumpy bodybuilder, all this shit and all, and all that. Yeah. It doesn't fly, man. So you'll never be in a successful relationship if that's your your mindset. Like she wants me to go to the gym. She wants me to be, you know, with you and we're doing working on things with Massive Joes. We're building mm. uh, my career and her career because, as I said, what I'm building is essentially us, yeah? Mm-hmm. So how can, you, how can you go wrong when you've got a partner that wants that for you. You know, that's the best feeling in the world because you just feel like you can do the overtime and you can, as long as you're given back, Mm. there's that balance, you know? And as long as your partner, as long as you feel like your partner is obviously involved Mm. and that you're both sharing uh, the journey, then I don't know, man, you you can't go wrong. You're both contributing to the relationship. Yeah. That's the, that's the, that's the key man is, you know, so, so many people in particular in the sport in this lifestyle go wrong because they're focused on the wrong things. Yeah. They're focused on, you know, support, the, the, not necessarily the wrong things, yep. right? Cause you need support. Yeah, yeah, you need yep. to help yep. each other. You need yep. to love each other. You yep. need to, you know, all of that, you know, you need to focus on that, yep. but you can't just focus on that. No, they're 
also needs to be the what are we accomplishing together yeah. here? What's the contribution exactly. to the and, relationship? And what they have to realise too, your bodybuilding will be so much better oh, if mate. you've got the yep. support. Like so many people think yeah. that it's the opposite. They yeah. think, oh God, if you're in love and you got to do this, oh, forget about your bodybuilding exactly. career. Yeah. You, know, you can't do that anymore and you're not going to be any good at that. That's called toxic. You are going to be so much better yeah. at what you do if you are if you're in the kind of relationship where your partner is going to, you know, be a part of what you're doing yeah. and you both contribute to it. 100%. But, but people that think that, you know, the, the other way that I said, like that's the wrong way, the wrong way to, to think about it. You'll be unhappy. Man, I want to, I want to round this podcast out mm. with um, some of these kind of common character traits that, that, you know, I've, I've picked on, uh, picked up on having known you for so many years. And I'm sure the listeners and the viewers have picked up on, I'm yep. um, just listening to bits and pieces of your story, you know, yep. um, obviously you're very hardworking. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you have this, uh, this innate ability to know when it's time to level up. Yeah. One of the things that I'm particularly interested in is your ability to make difficult decisions. And, you know, just to, just to, to highlight a few, um, the relationships that we just spoke from, you know, from coaches, moving on from relationships, uh, you know, with, with your significant other, moving on from relationships with particular coaches. Um, the example of when, you know, you could have gone on to the Arnold and challenged for a pro card, but making a difficult decision to go, you know what, Mm -hmm. I'm not happy. Mm -hmm multiple times during your life, you've made these really significant decisions that have put you in a very vulnerable position. Yep. Where does the ability to do that come from? Why do you not go down the, the far more frequently traveled path Mm -hmm. of not making the difficult decision? If look in the beginning, any time that I've ever even hinted at try to myself at going down the easy kind of road or, doing the the path well-traveled, um, it would almost keep me up at night. I, it's just not in my character. I like to know that I've worked extremely hard for something. Yeah. I like to know that I've put in all of the work. Mm. Um, and I like to know that at the end of it all, I can have self-respect, mm. right? And that's a major thing for me. Like I literally like to be able to set the bar so hard that I have to push myself out of my comfort zone and knowing that it's so hard and when things start to get tough and in contest preps, when you're dieting, when you're depleted and then you just keep doing more and more and more and more and you just find it. Like mm. you know, every time I've found it, mm. I've been able to kind of hit rock bottom, but then able to just talk myself out of it. And I've, Never ever wanted to settle for for anything, and as silly as it is, even from the get go, I've always known that I can. Um, if if I apply myself to to whatever it is, that I can be extremely good at it and relentless. And as we were saying earlier, you have to assess your your physique if it's going to be bodybuilding, it's going to be life, it's going to be whatever it is. And I mentally assessed my physique every time that I competed, and I always knew that okay, I can take this as I can take this as far as I possibly can, or if I can take this as far as I possibly can, that I can be extremely competitive in this sport. Mm-hmm. So no matter what the setbacks were over the years, it's it as, as hard as it was having like Charles Glass never get back to me, Neil Hill not treat me the way that I had to be treated, um, 
not being given the right advice and having to sort of come back from all of those things and be able to switch back on again mm. was all came down to my self-belief. Mm. And yes, it was heartbreaking, some of it. And yes, it caused a lot of pain. And maybe, you know, it did definitely cause a time of self-reflection, but it always was over, I was always able to overcome that, that period with just my self-belief and always thinking that I, my, my, my father, and then the way that they build their company, you know, the way that he can walk around and hold his head high because he put so much work into it, even though they almost went a company that, or whatever, bad credits and stuff that people didn't pay their bills and almost sent my parent to bankruptcy, mm. but they didn't choose to take the easy road of declaring bankruptcy. They paid off everybody that they owed, that they owed money to, and then they were able to build the business back up from nothing from scratch. So being able to do that obviously is a huge um, plus for my for my dad's character. Mm. And just being able to be around that as a kid and see that, you know, it doesn't matter how tough and how hard your situation is, settling and just, I don't know, rolling over was never maybe it's in my genetic makeup as well. You know, it's been passed on to me, but the, the thought of that just never, ever crosses my mind. And there's, there, look, there were some times when having that self-reflection period, I would have to kind of sit down and look at myself in the mirror and, and have like these little pep talks where I talk to myself and be like, you know what? It's, it's going to happen. Like I know it's going to happen. And I always used to see it like, okay, Charles Glass didn't, he didn't see it. You know, these other people didn't see it but I know that I can just keep getting better and keep on improving. So the self-belief, you know, had to, had to be there. And every time that times got hard, I actually just this whole new level, this whole new gear was sort of available to me. And I just, that's when I kind of learned the first times that I kind of was let down was kind of where I learned how well I can overcome, you know, pretty much anything that's thrown at me. Um, and I think that that's really, really important to be able to do that by yourself. You can't expect anybody else to do, you know, that, that for you. Um, it comes from within, man. It's so hard to say to you. It's difficult, right? It's, yeah, it's really difficult. Let me, let me rephrase it. Let me ask you this question. Cause I want to, I want to kind of end with some practical advice for the mm-hmm. listeners and the viewers, right? Yep. What advice would you give to somebody who is right on the cusp of making a significant, difficult decision. Uh-huh. Maybe it's got to do with a personal relationship. Yep. Maybe it's got to do with a career move. Maybe it's got to do with a, a, a competitive bodybuilding yep. decision. Whatever the scenario is, you're right on the cusp of making this difficult decision and you're just like, you're just stalling. Yep. What advice would you give to encourage that person to make that decision. Keeping in yep. mind that most of the time there's there's three there's three reasons why people won't make the difficult decision, won't yep. pursue the uncomfortable path. Yep. The first one is the fear of what if it doesn't work out? Yes. The fear of failure. Yep. The second one is self-doubt. Mm-hmm. They're just not they're yep. not certain about yep. the decision. Yep. And the third one is what other people are going to think of the decision. <laughs> what <laughs> advice could you give? I say think, just just fucking do it. Well, what I did? Yeah. <clears throat> And I think, uh, just think you're in this situation, you've got to make this big decision. 
Now, what I used to do is actually try to think think ahead. Let's say that you choose the easy road. Yep. Let's think ahead mm-hmm. and now see the whole scenario and how and how it played out. Mm-hmm. It didn't lead like obviously choosing this road, the easy road, isn't going to lead to ultimately what you would have would have liked. Mm-hmm. Can that future? your future self, can you live with that? Mm. Can you imagine yourself looking back at the past and saying, shit, I'm glad I did that or fuck, I wish, I wish I took the leap and I wish that I did the hard, I made the hard decision because now I would have been sitting here and I would have ultimately had, you know, that, that goal. I would have been in that position that I want to be. And for me, that was enough Mm. because I couldn't fucking, I can't even imagine living Years and years from now, thinking that I wish that I did that, mm-hmm. and that keeps me up at night, and that kill that that would eat at me, and that would kill me. So that there was enough motivation. And so just think ahead. If you took the hard, if you took the easy path or the hard path, where would you be right now? And are you happy with that? Can you live with yourself like like that? And I think that if you're a really driven, strong-minded, hard-working person like ourselves. It's, we, we don't have settle in us. Mm. So it was, it didn't take long. That's why people say, how can you do it? This, that, it literally didn't take long for me to just think like that and say, okay, could my future self be happy with that easy decision? If I made it choosing the comfort road and doing all that, it's like, yeah, okay. It would lead to a good life. Like it would be, you know, whatever, but could I live knowing that I didn't take the leap of doing that thing that I, that scared the shit out of me, Mm. but I really, that's the way that I wanted my life to, to, to pan out. And 10 out of 10 times it's, I look back and it's like, I need to do, I need to make the hard decision. It's the, it's the thing with, um, the fear of regret. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. 100%. It is, it's the, you know, for me personally, and I think for most people, if you actually give it enough thought, yep. it trumps all other fears. Yeah. I couldn't do it. You know, it, yep. it, when you, again, that's what you're describing. You're yep. describing regret. Yep. You're saying at some point later on in your life, yep. five years, 10 years, 20 mm-hmm. years on your deathbed, mm-hmm. looking back at the decisions you made yep. and the consequences that they led to, yep. which I call it regret mitigation. Yep. I'm like, what is the path that I can choose yep. that's going to lead to the path of least regret? Yeah. Yes. hundred percent. And that's what drives a lot of my decisions. Me I'm too. like, I can do, you know what? I can fucking, I can deal with failure. Yep. It's no problem. Yep. I mean, you and I have both yeah. multiple over and over again. huge whether failures. Whether it's people closing doors yep. in your face, whether it's all these relationships and all these 100%. let down setbacks. Yep. As you said, you can deal with yep. that. I can, you know, you, you, and a hundred percent, you guys listening, you guys watching this, you can deal with that. Yeah. When it comes to the self doubt, yep. self doubt is just a complete figment of your imagination. hundred percent. You know, yep. when you're a, when you're a fucking child, yep. you don't have self doubt. No, you go you, into everything you head first. Everything. You go down slides head you know, first. Self doubt <laughs> is just this fake production of the society that we're brought up in. Yeah. You know, and then, and well, all as you of said, people are scared to stand, people are yep. scared to stand alone. Yeah. People are scared to stand out yep. and people are scared to, to fall. And it's like you, you can't be scared to fall. And anybody that is successful and anybody that has, 
chosen the path of um, of resistance yep. has come out on top. Yeah. Or if they haven't, they've learned enough from that to keep going. Correct. And they eventually the get there. Decision. And that's what we're trying to say as well. Like you may not get there. Like this decision that you make, you go to hard road. Yeah. You might not get that. It's not the initial, last decision you're ever going to make. And it's setting you up and teaching you, okay, what do I got to do? I'm going to keep persisting. I'm not going to just give up. You know how I like to think of it, man? I like to think of it as like um, a basketball score. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know what? I'm going to just rephrase that. I like to think of it as in like a basketball season win-loss record yep. versus um, let's say an AFL season win-loss record, Yep. right? I'm trying to play as many games as I can mm-hmm. and get more wins than losses. Yep. Even if it's like one. Yep. I Just get care. the number on the board. Compared to paying to playing the least amount of games yep. and having a perfect record. Yep. I'm not interested in being twenty two and zero. No. Well you wanna I'm live, in, you, you wanna live. I'm interested in being hundred and twenty to eighty six. Yep. That's kind of yep. what I'm looking for. Yep. Well, that's the experience it, too, isn't it? hundred percent. Yep. You're still fucking winning. Yep. You just had all this experience as well. Yep. And then, you know, the last, the last part of those three, um, those three fears that, that prevent people from making the difficult decisions, mm-hmm. the other people's opinions yep. and how I balance that with the fear of regret yep. is this is, I like to go like super, super like long-term with it. Yep. I like to think about when I'm taking my last breath, yeah. how many of those motherfuckers going to be there? Yeah. Yeah, man. And, and as you said, that's kind of how you have to think. I've thought like yeah. that. Like I really think as far ahead as yeah. like being, you know, in my later years yeah. and c- am I happy with the decisions that I've made up until now? And if I'm not, Hey, it's still just a decision, a way of changing, yeah. you know, of changing that path. Yeah. Like all these people that have chosen the easy path, even up until now, well, now's the time to maybe start changing the way that you're doing things because Look, some people are happy to to just be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Some people, the the fear of, as you said, taking the plunge is just too much. Yeah, you know. But that's okay though, because they're not the kind of people like us. Some people don't stay up at night thinking, "Shit, my mm. future self is petrified of you know of of me if I made those those decisions." Mm-hmm. Some people, I don't know, they're just not wired that way. Mm. But for for people like um, yourself, most of the and people myself, listening to this podcast are wired that way. Of course. You look, and look, and this is another thing. Some people would like to say that they're not wired that way and then yeah. put it down to, you know, but I had a family and I had kids and I couldn't do this or I couldn't That's do that. It's bullshit. Man. You can make Come it on. all work. You, you, yeah. you can do it. You know, it's a matter of just taking the, taking the risk um, and putting, like we said, all of these other things that we've said previously, putting the work into it all, yeah. not being, not being scared, you know, of, of what could or couldn't happen. Because realistically, what could happen is that you could live a life that you won't regret. Yeah. You know, so, and, and to me, that is my, one of my number one motivations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we've both kind of um, admitted today that that's something that would keep us both up at, at night. If we weren't happy with the decisions that we're making, our future self looking back now, you know, we, we, we wouldn't be able to do it. It's one of my ultimate drivers, man. Yeah. Yep. One of my ultimate drivers, and I, you know, I, I encourage people to to look at it through that lens. 
mm-hmm. look at it with that perspective. Yeah. Um, because it's such a, you know, it's such a powerful motivator. And it's the best way, right? Because yeah. you know, it's your life. Yeah. Like you can't read a book and listen to people that say, nope. get motivated. And this is what you have to do. It's like, this is my life, whether your whatever your goals are, I can either go this way mm-hmm. or that way. Mm-hmm. You're the one that has to make that decision. Yeah. Reading things and watching things and stuff maybe could influence your decision. I don't know, but ultimately it's your life and you have to know that if you go that way, if you go that way, would your future self be able to, you know, to, to live with that? Or would you go back in time and, 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 make, make, and make a different decision? Jake, thank you, man. Man, loved it's it. It's been a great podcast. Absolutely loved it. Fantastic. I love that it's just a little bit more than just bodybuilding. That's, that's, it. that's always good. Yeah, yeah. Dig a little bit deeper. But where can uh, the listeners, the viewers who, who perhaps, uh, you know, they want to follow you on social media or you yeah. know, where can they find you? Pretty unique last name, man. If you write Jake can Nicolopoulos. You, can you spell it, please? Can you please spell There's it? There's 12, 12 letters there. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyone that just writes in Jake N-I-K, it'll, it'll, most, likely, it'll pop up. most likely pop up. So Instagram, Facebook, and of course, all the Massive Joe's videos you guys can see. It's just all training at the moment, but yeah. we're going to be adding a lot, more, a lot more content on that. But I'm really happy that all the Massive Joe's listeners and whoever listens to this podcast yeah. is able to just, you know, just peel it all back a little bit more mm. and, and just see, because I don't like to just be Jake, the bodybuilder, yeah. you know, like some people, maybe they like to be represented that, that way. Mm-hmm. But for me, I've always gravitated towards like even uh, for me, it's bodybuilding. Yeah. Um, but I've always gravi- gravitated towards the guys that have the life outside of that. Like your flex Lewis, mm-hmm. you can follow him. He's got his kids, he's married, family life. That to me is uh, very important than just watching Flex do another squat, you know, or, or, or something like that. So I'm, I'm really happy that you've given me this platform to be able to kind of just introduce myself, you know, a little bit more than, you know, Jake, the, the bodybuilder. So Absolutely. I think this is and a really add, cool platform. And add, you know, a whole lot a whole lot more value to the listeners and the viewers and a whole uh, bunch of different levels of value as well. Yeah. So if you guys have, uh, you know, if you've enjoyed this podcast and you've taken value from it, the one thing that I do ask is that you, uh, you, you tell a friend. Yeah. So there's a few ways you can do that. You can, uh, you can just tell a friend. Like, <laughs> next time you see a friend of yours in person, you know, we still do socialize every now and again. Uh, and the topic comes up, you know, people discussing movies they've seen, things they've listened to, new yeah. albums come out, you know, drop us a little plug. Mm-hmm. Say, you know, man, I'm yeah, well, this podcast, the Fitness Times Business Podcast. It's not going to be the last. Google that shit and listen to it. Or the other way, you know, because we do live in a world of social media is take a screenshot of this episode on whatever platform you're listening to, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, it doesn't matter. Take a screenshot, post it in your Instagram story and tag myself at Joseph Menzel and tag at Jake Nicolopoulos. Let us know your thoughts. J-A-K-E-N-I-K-O-L-O-P-O-U. L-O-S. Oh, yes. nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> so now you guys got no excuses. You must see them fucking tags coming through. Screenshot it, tag us both in it. We'll repost it and uh, and we can, you know, it's a, it's a nice little boost to our egos to know that you guys are, uh, are taking value from this podcast and enjoying sure, it. Sure, man. But yeah, Jake, thanks, thank you very much, man. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Um, and so much value that I just know, you know, people are going to be referring to this podcast for, uh, for, for days, yep. weeks, months, and years to yep, come. Yep. So I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Thank you, my man. 
No problem, man. Thank you very much. Guys, we'll see you on the flip side. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Massive Joe Show. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it be SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, Podbean, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Massive Joe Show, ensure that you give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting platform. Until next time, we're coming to you from MassiveJoes.com. Stay massive.